Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast today is dedicated to commemorate the Askara of Moshe Haddad, Moshe Pen Polisa, Corey's grandfather, sponsored by Corey and Mark Ajmi. Ruach Tubishra breakfast is also sponsored by the Shatrit family, Azaku Baruch, and also in sponsored in loving memory of Miriam Bat Sarah Leah, sponsored by her nephew Avram Simmons, and Hazaku Baruch Avram on all of the fruits that you brought today to enable everybody to make the berachot of Tu Bishrat. Hazaku Baruch. Breakfast is sponsored also by Yaakov Shirazi. We love you, we miss you on the occasion of Tu Bishrat. for success in everything. Rabotai, uh, there's nothing that us Jewish people li- like more than a good sale. Nachon? We see a BOGO, Ya'aniya, buy one, get one free, we're excited. A twofer, we're very excited. Today is a twofer. Two for one. What are we getting two for one? Today, not only we're going to learn something beautiful in the parasha, but also we're going to learn something which connects to the holiday of Tu Bishvat, which is what we're celebrating today. Now, today, it's a little bit more difficult to get involved in this holiday. Why? Can I explain why? When you have regular holidays, so you, you know, you very, Yom Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, we're very nervous, getting written in the Book of Life. Here it's like, okay, my kid came home, sa- sang something about a tree. You know, Tu Chagla Ilanot. You know, holiday for the trees. What are you thinking? You know, yeah, you know, I always think if a tree had a choice, a tree would rather be Jewish than Christian. Why? If he's Christian, how they, we, they cut him down for the holidays. We, for the holidays, we celebrate the trees. Over there, they kill him. Okay? So you have a, uh, you have a holiday which it seems, it seems relatively benign. It seems uh, not so, you know, kind of a, it's not taken so seriously, we, you know, lightly. In some communities, in some communities, they have what's called a, a seder for Tu Bishvat. So you know how you have seder on the night of Pesach? Where each thing gets said, gets spoken about. Like it says, we call the matzah lechem oni, bread of affliction. But the word oni also refers to lechem shonim alav divanim harbeh. That we answer on it, we speak about many things while it's in front of us. So, so too, also, to bishvat, aside from the fruit that's sitting here and the fun thing of going through all the berachot and also learning the halachot of, din, of the dine kadima, which berachot come first. Aside from that element, there's something else here as well that, is, that needs to be spoken about. But I wanted to just take one minute to reset and to recalibrate our approach to this because imagine we did not live in an era where our livelihood was given by making coffee. Our livelihood was given by real estate. Our livelihood was given by architecture. Our livelihood was given by the stock market. Our livelihood was given by private jets. Imagine that was not the scenario that we found ourselves in. Imagine we were back in time. Their economy was almost exclusively agricultural. So when the Jewish people come into Eretz Israel, they didn't say, okay, you get this piece of land because it grows trees. You, on the other hand, get this beachfront property to develop into a hotel. That was not how the Jewish people lived. You understand? That was not the situation. It was completely dependent on what they could grow from the ground. So their relationship with the earth, 
Their relationship with nature, with God, with the cycle of the seasons. They were much more in tune with the rhythm of Teva, of nature, with the rhythm of the holidays. Each holiday, if you were talking about uh, Sukkot, so what's Haga Sukkot is called? Hag? No, that's Tu Mishvat. Right? What is what is tu, with Sukkot? What are we doing? Hagahasif. It's a time that you brought in all of the fruits. So what else is the holiday known for? It's known as the holiday of Simcha. The day of Sukkot is the time of Zeman Simchatenu. So it wasn't just that the Torah said, "Be happy." Remember that song, "Don't worry, I'll be happy." Right? It wasn't just that someone was singing to you, "Don't worry, be happy." Sit in the Sukkah. It was that this was the time of joy. Why? Because we were all getting paid. This was payday. So the joy of Sukkot was manifested not just in their decision to be happy, in some sort of spiritual obligation to be happy, but rather the confluence of that spiritual responsibility and that agricultural reality. So their, their world and their Judaism was in sync. I cannot stress this idea enough. Their world and their Judaism operated in sync. So everything was supporting everything else. They were praying hard for rain. So, you know, over today, someone comes to me, they're like, Rabbi, uh, so uh, when day do we start Mashiach Baruah? You know, well, December 6th, is it December 7th? You know, do I start from now? Like, don't I start from now? They, we're not, they're not aware, we're not living with the reality that if it doesn't rain, you don't eat. Today, if it doesn't rain, no rainbow, no, no, no umbrellas, right? We're so happy. But back then, if it doesn't rain, Shema Yisrael, there was a disaster. They used to scream and cry to the heavens. They didn't have food to eat, you understand? So the natural cycle is very, very important to Judaism, and it's supposed to go hand in hand. It is the job of the modern Jew, the non-agricultural Jew, to be able to figure out and understand how the rhythm of their life also plugs in to the rhythm of Torah. So important. So let's talk a little bit about what that idea is. On Tu Bishvat, we have a Gemara, the Gemara, the Mishnah. The Mishnah tells us, Arba'a Roshay Ashana, and there's four Rosh Hashanahs. I remember once I was talking about this, the guy's like, Biflej. Unbelievable. <laughs> Rabbi's always making life difficult. Torah says one Rosh Hashanah, Rabbi's give you three more. No, they're not, it's not telling you to four times this is the Shofar. There's a Rosh Hashanah for Ilanot, there's a Rosh Hashanah for Melachim, for kings. When does the kingship start? So when you're going to say in the seventh year of King Yehoiachin, right? When did we start that seventh year? Is it January? Obviously not. So each one had a different year. So year one would be dependent not on Rosh Hashanah, the reg- but on Rosh Hashanah for Melachim. Same thing with the trees. There's a halakha about the trees. When we talk about Hagla Ilanot, today is the tree's birthday. What does that mean? Let's say you planted a tree on whatever day. When do we say the tree is one year old? I don't know, you don't have to get it a cake. But when do we say the tree is one year old? After it passes, it's first to Bishvat. Why is that relevant? Because in the Torah, there are laws about the age of a tree. When it becomes Bar Mitzvah, you got to buy a presents. When it starts growing a little branch, you got to cut the end on the eighth day. No, it's not the laws of a tree. When are the laws of the years of a tree relevant? Orla. Orla. You're not allowed to eat from the fruit of a tree in the first three years. That's why I made this little joke about the Brit Milah, because we talk about the tree as Orla. What else is called Orla? 
the baby before the Brit Milah is called Arel. The part of the body that needs to be cut before Brit Milah is called Orla. Okay? So you have this tree, you have to know what year the tree is in. After the third year, you still can't eat from it. Then you have Netaravai, which means the fourth year of planting. So we judge that based on the day of Tubishvat. So today is the day where we count the cycle of the year for the trees. Okay, when is the, the cycle of the year for, for wheat? When is Rosh Hashanah for the, uh, for the grain? That is on, uh, on Pesach and Shavu, on Shavuot. So we have each one has its day, right, which is considered the Rosh Hashanah for it. Rosh Hashanah for wheat is Pesach. Rosh Hashanah for this is, you know, Tu Bishvat. Go read the Mishnah. Either way, the point is to me, and this is why I'm trying to communicate this. The Gemara asks, why? Why is this? Why would Tu Bishvat be the Rosh Hashanah Le'ilanot? And the Gemara answers something which I think is fantastic. You look at Rashi, Rashi quotes the words. He says, because on this day, Ole Hasaraf, inside the tree, there's a life-giving force. It's the sap in the tree. So sometimes you'll see trees that it's oozing this sap, okay? It literally comes out, it's very sticky. You can see it, a lot of times it looks like maple syrup running down the side of the tree. That is the sap in the tree. On what day does that come up? Does that start to rise in the tree? Which signifies and brings the blooming of the tree, the, um, the what's it called, the blossoming of the fruits of the, what's it called, of various items. What day does that happen? Today. Sorry? Today. That's Tu Bishvat today, okay? So the question is, what, what is, what is this coming to com, you know, communicate to us? Now, what's really important, and we'll do this afterwards when we close up uh, shop here on, this, on the recording and on the, on the shi'ur, there's a very famous tefillah, which was said that a person should say on the days of Tu Bishvat. And what is it? It's from the Ben Ishchai. Others, uh, lots of other people also talk about it. But they say on the, on the day of Tu Bishvat, a person should pray for the trees, but specifically, what should he pray for, as the Ben Ishchai writes? That he should have a good etrog. Now, I always thought this was a little weird. Why are we praying that you should have a good etrog? Tu Bishvat, you're thinking, right? Today is the Haggailanot, that the etrog grows on a tree. So what's the most important fruit in my, in my yearly cycle? Rimo? Uh, no. Etrog. You killed me. Yeah? Etrog. Right? Etrog is the most important one. Rimon also has a place of uh, importance. Why? Because we use it for the mitzvah on Roshana. Apples and the honey, same thing. But not a mitzvah de oraita. Okay? There's one other that always bothered me. Because there's another thing from a tree that we need in the year. Honey. Huh? Lulav. What? Lulav. Zet Shemen, right? We need the oil for the korbanot, for the menorah. So there's certain mitzvot that we do with fruits of the tree that we need to, that we should technically pray. But obviously, you know, someone will say the answer is for the olives. It's not like you're getting one good olive. You're smushing the olives. It doesn't matter what the olives, as long as there's oil in it. Um, but there's another thing that also matters, and that is lulav, because lulav is also grow, something that grows on the tree. And you need, it's not easy to find the lulav, by the way. It's much easier if you're a Sephardic. I don't know if you guys know that. Do you guys ever know that? If you want to convert, we'll welcome you for a fee and a small operation. You're welcome to join us. 
Why is it much easier? Because according to Maran, if you take a lulav and the top is split um, all the way down to, you know, at least to rov, still the halacha is kosher. So in other words, the two middle st- the leaves, it's allowed to be split up until half. For Ashkenazim, even if it's open a little bit, right? They don't they don't use it. Now here, pasul. Here's a crazy thing though. So what do I always do for for uh, in order to be sumeka maran? I get a lulav that the back of the lulav is covered with a koret. That's the the brown like paper like thing that grows on the back. So they have them that it grows all the way that it literally the it, the lulav is it shut. It doesn't even when you shake it. It doesn't do the you know the the splaying. It just is like a baseball bat. First of all, it's great for lulav and etrog. Number two, if someone acts out of order, you got something in your hand. Okay. Now here we go. So we have also a mitzvah, but we don't pray for that. And I want to communicate something that I think is very powerful. You know, we spoke a little bit yesterday about Yitro, what he heard that made him come, that made him turn around and do something and, uh, and, and appear. And I think that this is very important. Because you know what? I remember there was a, a singer, his name was Gershon Varoba. And he had a song. It was a song about the Jewish people leaving Egypt. And I, oh, I'll never forget the chorus. The chorus goes... I'm not going to sing you the whole thing, but the chorus goes, the hand, it's called the hand of Hashem. Yes, it was clear to them. The hand of Hashem, da 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 right? And those who don't see are those who refuse to see. Yesterday we spoke about the idea that Yitro realized, recognized, that there is such a thing in the human nature that a person is capable of not seeing something that's right in front of his nose. Who proved it to him? The fact that Amalek was willing to go to war even though they just saw Kiryat Yamsuf. But Rabotai, I want to share with you something which is very important. I don't know if you ever had a, a Walkman. You guys remember Walkman? Of course. Remember the Walkman? Amazing. The yellow one was the waterproof. Well, as you were fancier than the rest of us. The, right, the one that covered, it covers over the buttons so that if you by mistake fell in the water, your tunes wouldn't stop, okay? Now, either way, how does drowning, but Baruch Hashem, the music carries on, all right? Listen, I, I want you to understand this, okay? So you have a walkman. As you're running down the street, because you're, you know, you're exercising, unbelievable. As you're running, what happens? Your head is bouncing. The headphone jack thing pops out of the jack. Now, can you hear the music? No. Is the music playing? Yes. So the question as to whether or not someone hears the music is not whether there is music. It's not whether there is sound. Not whether there is a message. It's whether you're plugged in to be able to listen to the message. That is a decision that people make. It's a decision to be present, to be listening. I think this is super important. There's a lot of people all the time that there's messages all the time that's happening. But the question is, who takes that message and translates it into something which is, actual, which is uh, uh, actualized into action? So oh, Hashem is sending messages all the time, but who's listening? Rabotai, all these years that Yitro was Oved Avod what was deep inside of him? What was deep inside of him was Koach and not Po'al. Our world is made up of energy and potential energy. There is nothing else in the world. So either something is mass with the potential to release energy, or it is energy. That's one of the rules of physics, right? 
You have mass and you have energy. So what happens when you take a log and you light it on fire? It produces energy, right? That mass got translated into energy. That energy can then again be retranslated into mass, okay? But this law of the constancy of mass and energy is one of the, uh, uh, of the great laws in science. Rabotai, and I need you to hear this. Tu Bishvat is the celebration of potential. One more time, Sammy, you didn't hear that one. Which is ironic, because then you can't celebrate the potential if you're not aware of the potential. <laughs> it takes a special person to be able to sit in the middle of winter. It's freezing cold outside, and you're looking at a tree, but you don't see a barren tree, you see fruits. Think about it. If you're going to celebrate the fruits of a tree, wouldn't the right time be when you see the fruit on the tree? That's the right time, right? No. That's the time when you miss the boat. Now is the time, because now, when you know what's coming, you could uh, turn the earth over, you could water the tree, you could put fertilizer, you could prune the tree, you could do so many different things that the fruit that comes out, that the thing that came out of the potential is the best possible thing. If you wake up later, how many of us have sat down with our children and we say to them, listen, I know you just want to gaze around, I know you just want to do vacation, but trust me, I also, I know you can't believe it, I also was once a child. I also once wasted my time. And I also thought back then that wasting time was what I wanted to do. But then, you know how much I had to suffer to get on the wheel? You know what it would have been worth to me? If instead of spending all my time in school and university only studying, I'd started interning in companies, I'd started getting my foot, my feet wet, I'd started learning a little bit about the business world, I started seeing how people sell, how people do, what it looks like to have a mortgage, how you refinance something. Could you imagine if I would have learned that back then? Then when I, when I would have needed it, I would have already been in a place where I had that information. So Tu Bishvat, is when we celebrate, it's the holiday of the celebration of the recognition of potential. Are you hearing this? Okay? Says the Ben Ishchai, therefore, on this day, we pray to have a good etrog. Why? Why? Because the etrog is the one fruit of the four fruits that has ta'am vareah. It has Torah, it has Ma'asim Tovim. How many people tell me, Rabbi, I wish, I remember once I was sitting with a guy. He wasn't, he didn't grow up religious. So anyway, so we're sitting there and, um, and he's telling us his life story. Me and my Chavruta are religious guys. We grew up in Yeshiva. We went to Yeshiva our whole life, you know, etc., etc. This guy, he came from God knows where in America, Boondocks. He lived his life, he didn't know, any, he didn't know anyone Jewish, okay? And he's telling us, and the guy's sitting next to us in the bench in Kolel. He's a rabbi now. He's telling us his life so we never knew it about him. And he says, when I was young, I was in university, I decided to travel the world. And you know what? I traveled the world. All I had in the, in my, in the world was a backpack. Free! He says, I would go to one place. He goes, I don't have any money, so someone if would, and they would invite me. Great, if not, wherever I was, he says, I would start to give English lessons. How long would I stay until I had enough money? to buy a bus ticket to the next place. And that's how I went all around Asia. I hope he doesn't have coronavirus now. Either way, 
The guy will go from place to place. He's telling us about China, about Japan, about this, about that. Anyway, he says, Mechila, I have to go to the bathroom. He goes to the bathroom. I turn to my chavruta. I'm thinking, wow, you know, the only place as a kid, I've, ever, I've only been to Israel. Had that, sitting there, discovering the world, backpack, making his own way, you know, teaching English on the fly. He's seen this, he's climbed that, he's, uh, you know, swam in this, he's jumped into that. You know, I'm like, wow, wow. I kept saying to my, wow. And he's like, yeah, wow. The guy comes back, Rabotai. He sits down at the table. And he says, you know, he says, and then someone said to me, you traveled the whole world. How could it be you're Jewish and you didn't travel to Israel? So he said, so I said, you know what, you're right. So he started teaching English <laughs> until he could buy a ticket to Israel. He buys a ticket to Israel. But for him, it was just a desti- another destination, another Masada to climb, another Darja to jump into the water from. He gets to Eretz Israel. He says, and he's walking down the street. And all of a sudden, he hears some voices of children. He walks in and he sees a, a classroom full of kids sitting there reading the Mishnah. He looked over this kid. He sees a language he doesn't understand. And he understood that this wasn't just like Chinese. It wasn't just like Japanese. It wasn't just the language that they spoke. It was their heritage. It was their religion. And he looked at these kids, maybe four years old, five years old, reading, six years, how old they were how proficient they were, how they were able to say, and he says, and I stood by the door with my backpack, and I started crying. And I thought to myself, wow, these kids, from the time that they were young, they know and they knew what it means to be Jewish. And by now, the guy is sitting there crying, we're crying with him. And he says, you know, all that I learned, everything that I have, I'm now gonna be a rabbi, I'm in this kolel, I'm gonna go out to lead a community. He says, I started doing all of this when I was 18, 19. He says, could you imagine I would have been able to learn the Mishnayot from the time I was four and five and six years old? What I would know today, how accomplished a scholar I would be today. He says, all I could think of looking at these kids was, wow. He, he leaves this place, we're all very impressed. I said to my chavruta, I want, I want you to notice. We're sitting here. Guys who went to yeshiva the whole time. A guy tells us about his journeys around the world. And what do we say? Wow. wow. But what does he come back to us? He says, I saw the world. You know what makes me say wow after I saw everything? Seeing a little child sitting there studying a pasuk in the Torah. Learning a mishnah. Connecting to his heritage. Connecting to bore olam. A child in the Jewish people has the capacity to connect to God. You don't need to be a 50-year-old monk that worked on himself for God knows how long. You could be four years old learning the first pasuk in Bereshit or Vayikra and you're already having, creating, cementing a direct line to Borei Olam. Do you understand how precious that is? Says the Ben Yishchai, so today, on this day, start to celebrate and pray to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for your etrog, for your perfect self. The representation of a Sadiq. Look at yourself, you, who, me, you. What are we? Nothing. We're the tree in the middle of the winter. <coughs> but Tu B'Shvat tells you that deep inside, there's something else. There's a spirit of God. Rabbi the Pasuk tells us in the Navi that there was a boy and his name was Shimshon. Shimshon was born. What do we know about Shimshon as a child? Huh? We do know. We know something about it. He's a cripple. 
כי can't move. שמשון הגיבור is born from what? From a kid that can't move. You understand? רבותיי, it's so important for us to understand, to never underestimate the koach el ha'poel. The spirit, the strength, and the pasuk says, vatipa'embo. And it started beating within him. The heartbeat, the power, the motion, the, the, the conviction, until Shimshon becomes not only the strongest man of the Jewish people, he leads the entirety of his people and saves them from the Pilishtim. Do you understand this? So you could be looking at a weakling, and that could become the strongest man of a generation. You could look at a guy like James Earl Jones, who can't get a sentence out as a child, he stutters, and eventually he becomes the most, the most famous mouthpiece, the most famous orator, if you will, of words of our generation. Do you remember him? New Jersey Bell, that guy. If I told you there was a 99% chance of rain, remember that guy? That guy. He had the most beautiful, silky, Google it, you'll find him. The guy who stutters is the guy who does all the commercials. The kid who can't walk becomes the big gibor. The kid who was born to parents who didn't know anything about Torah, but something inside them or him decided that this kid needs to become something. I had a little conversation this Shabbat. We had a youth minyan that was off the hook. And one of the boys, special boy, I said to his father, I said, you know what, you have a bunch of kids. Let them all go into the business. This one, this one, purity of spirit. He loves to learn. He loves to read. Let this one become a rabbi. And I almost said it half in a joke to him. And his face goes serious. He says, Rabbi, there would be no greater honor for me in my life if one of my children could become a rabbi, could become a Talmud Chacham. That is today. That's the praying for the etrog. That's the idea that where I am right now does not define where I'm going to be. So Yitro is sitting there slaughtering calves to Abu Dazara. Where do we find that? Later on, when they tease Pinchas, they say, your grandfather, he fattened the cows for Abu Dazara. He was an Obed Abu Dazara. And yet Yitro becomes someone who has a parasha in the Torah named after him. Because inside of him was the capacity, was the potential to hear, the capacity, the potential to change, the capacity, the potential to say, it's not too late, it's not too cold. There's something inside of me that is pushing me towards Shammai, that is rising up. That ability to rise up is the hallmark of Tu Bishvat. May God bless us, Be'ezat Hashem, each in our own life, to fulfill the incredible potential that Borei Olam put inside of us. Baruch Adonai Le'olam.